Stat Media Group, delivering logistics news since 1986. This is Cargo Masterminds from Stat Media Group. It's Monday and it's time to catch up with our new Cargo Mastermind. Hello and welcome to Cargo Masterminds. My name is Reggie John. UPS is one of the world's largest package delivery companies with $84.6 billion in revenue recorded for the year 2020. With the purpose of moving our world forward by delivering what matters, UPS provides a broad range of integrated logistics solutions for customers in more than 220 countries and territories. The company's more than 540,000 employees embrace a strategy of customer-first, people-led, innovation-driven. With the acquisition of Markin, a clinical supply chain specialist company in 2016, UPS underscored its commitment for the healthcare and pharma industries. Five years later, right at the beginning of 2020, just a few weeks before COVID was officially declared a pandemic, UPS officially launched UPS Healthcare Division. Certainly, the intent then wasn't to deal with the logistics of a global pandemic. UPS Healthcare includes Markin, Polar Speed, and the company's more than 128 GMP and GDP compliant facilities around the world. UPS Healthcare is a vertical business unit focused on a one UPS solution to the global healthcare and life sciences client community. UPS Healthcare brings together all of the company's healthcare capabilities from across all business units, geographies, and functions. UPS Healthcare is led by Wes Wheeler, former CEO of Markin. Wheeler, a career operations executive with deep international experience in corporate restructuring, operational turnarounds, company streamlining, rebranding, mergers, acquisitions, and corporate integration, accepted the role to lead UPS Healthcare in December 2019 and joined UPS as president of UPS Healthcare in January 2020. UPS has been at the forefront of the COVID-19 fight since February of 2020, providing logistics support for PPE deliveries, working with pharmaceutical companies in clinical trials for COVID vaccines under development, and finally playing a very critical role in the global distribution of COVID vaccines that started in December 2020. Wes Wheeler has been leading the UPS healthcare team and represents the company at the U.S. President's Task Force for testing and the Council for reopening the country, including Project Airbridge and Operation Warspeed under the U.S. Department of Defense to accelerate the testing, supply, development, and distribution of safe and effective diagnostics and vaccines to counter COVID-19 by January 2021. It's a privilege to have Wes Wheeler, President of UPS Healthcare, to join me in this episode of Cargo Masterminds. Wes, welcome to Cargo Masterminds, and thanks for finding time to talk to us. Uh, thanks, Reggie. Glad to be here. Thank you. Uh, Wes, if you want to pick the most important highlights for UPS Healthcare for the past 16 months uh, since the WHO declared COVID-19 as the pandemic on March 11, 2020, what would be some of those coming on the top of your mind? Well, thanks for the question. I think uh, the way to start would be to first understand the extent of the problem and then the possibility for uh, how, what opportunity we would have in participating in 
helping the world get back to normal. I think the first was the reality of here's a pandemic, what's happening with solutions and how can UPS and UPS Healthcare, which is a division that was just formed in January of last year, how could we participate and how could we help? And so identifying the problem first and then the opportunity and then putting a team together to address the emergent needs of the pandemic was not necessarily the vaccine. It was getting uh, PPE and equipment and then test kits and test results to the American public is where we started with the American public. And then of course we went overseas. But the first part of our challenge was to understand the, the extent of the problem and how UPS Healthcare could pull together all of our assets around the world to help the world get back to normal. I guess another highlight would be that we were engaged early on with the clinical trials and especially with the Pfizer trial. And that gave us a lot of insight into how the development of these vaccines would be done, how fragile the molecules were and what kinds of stability and temperature and time requirements would be needed to make sure these vaccines moved around the world. And that came sometime in June when we were given the opportunity to participate in the trial and then start to work with Operation Warp Speed to develop command centers and freezer farms and technology to attract and trace the, the uh, products around the world and around the US uh, and then put together an execution plan that would really have every contingency identified. And that means all the origins that these vaccines would be manufactured in and what possible destinations they would go to. What is the biggest learning for you and for UPS Healthcare from the pandemic? And what do you think on how such learnings will shape the way you lead UPS Healthcare for the future? I can tell you my biggest learning is that when the urgency happens, when the world needs solutions, we are pretty much at war. This is a war footing that we are put on, that when these things happen, a lot of bureaucracy can be sidestepped. And so the combination of the government, the US military, the best of private, private business, UPS, FedEx, Pfizer, Moderna, the companies that had a lot to do with this uh, solution, we came together and broke through a lot of barriers very, very quickly. And many things were done much, much faster than would normally be done. That was my biggest learning. I think the second biggest learning is to know who the decision makers are and knowing them as early as possible, because you can cut through a lot of red tape if you know who makes the decisions about how things get done in such a situation. I've also come to learn that the UPS network worldwide has a lot more power than I ever thought it did. It's a, bit, it's a big company. We have lots of, uh, we have thousands of pilots and hundreds of thousands of people, but I uh, learned very early on the power of this company and what we could accomplish. So what, according to you, was the biggest challenge for UPS Healthcare during the months from March last year to December 14? And December 14 was when you began the first delivery of the Pfizer-BioNTech COVID vaccine. Having been involved with the clinical trials uh, in April of last year, and then when get, getting a call from uh, having been in touch with the federal government in the US, uh, being given an idea that maybe October 1st would be our first launch uh, to mobilize for us all of the technology, the command centers we put in place in Kentucky to get our pilots and our routes all solutioned and engineered, uh, making sure we knew where the origins and destinations might be, understanding how much dry ice we could carry on cargo jets, and 
putting together basically the whole solution by October 1st, including building our own dry ice factory and our freezer farms at minus 70 C all by October 1st. And then understanding that we are heading right into our peak season. Not, not only for the peak season for Christmas and Thanksgiving and the new year, but also the time in the year when we have the worst weather. And so that was our biggest challenge, getting ready for that, carving out enough capacity in the network at a time when the company has its most active network volume. Wes, uh, can you give us a sense of what went behind in planning and preparation for the rollout of a vaccine or vaccines uh, which were under development? And there was very limited information about the availability of vaccines for distribution, when the vaccines would be available for distribution. Yeah, so again, we had to put together uh, what I would consider, I'm an engineer by background. So we put together a, a Monte Carlo simulation that would estimate where these vaccines might be manufactured and in what quantity and for what markets. We knew all the companies developing the vaccines. We didn't know who would win. We were talking to many of them along the way. We were talking to the governments along the way, and we were tracking Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca, of course, even uh, Merck at that time, Sanofi, Novavax, CureVac, all these companies developing the vaccines. We were tracking all of them and finding out as much as we could about where they would be manufactured, what contract manufacturing companies would be participating, uh, what kinds of volumes and where they would be delivering to. And you could imagine a multivariate type of equation, trying to understand exactly how to solution for all those lanes, hundreds of thousands of potential lanes to make sure we had enough capacity in those lanes to deliver. And so as we got closer and closer to December, knowing that Pfizer might be first and Moderna might be second, we started to zero in exactly on where the lanes would be. And then having enough truck capacity, aircraft capacity, dry ice capacity and technology to track those lanes when the launch happened. How did uh, the technology and UPS innovations and logistics come in handy delivery of this critical shipment? Well, UPS is probably the largest, if not one of the largest logistics companies in the world. We have 500,000 people, over 5,000 pilots, almost 500 aircraft, including contract aircraft. One of the largest ground fleets in the US, uh, actually the ground largest ground fleet in the U.S. We had the capacity, we had the people, uh, and we were just developing a technology we called UPS Premier, which is a very small piece of tape about uh, three inches long. It has four radios embedded in it. It allows us to see those shipments uh, in real time within 10 feet in any of our locations in the United States. On top of that, the Pfizer vaccines had their own track and trace technology attached, and all those data streams were flowed into our command center in our Worldport facility in Louisville. And that allowed us to really see all the shipments in real time. And even to this day, as we ship today, not only just in the U.S., but outside of the U.S. In fact, we're shipping now much more volume outside of the U.S. than inside of this country. We've now crossed almost 400 million doses that we've shipped around the world at 99.5% on time by day. And that's because we have people and technology that helps us to track those shipments. And if they get distressed, we have a process that allows us to go find them, put them on the next available aircraft, and put them onto their destination. Wes, what kind of additional complexities and challenges did you encounter when you began the delivery of vaccines uh, starting on uh, 14th December 
uh, which is also, which you also said that it is always a peak holiday season for UPS with huge volumes of shipments. Yes, I've, I've had that question many times. In fact, many people have asked me, are you, are you kidding? Are you putting all of our, all the vaccines on the same truck as my Christmas presents? And the answer is yes, because we invented a process that allows us to see shipments inside of our network, kind of a network inside of a network where we can actually see the shipments in the, in, in the uh, locations around the U.S. and allows us to, to, make, to give those priority, uh, priority in the network that allows us to see them, give priority, and make sure that we can get them to destination. But you could imagine 34 million shipments a day in peak season, and we were carving out about 100,000 per day at peak for the vaccines. So a very small percentage of our total volume was involved with vaccines, including the dry ice shipments, including the kits, but uh, still a very, very important part of our network that gave us that visibility that we needed through technology. You know, you were, uh, you were part of the President Trump's uh, task force uh, for testing and the Council for Reopening the Country, including Pro Project Airbridge, uh, with several flights per day bringing personal protective equipment from Asia into the United States very early in 2020. Can you tell us how important was that process uh, as far as your preparation for the eventual distribution of COVID vaccines uh, in December? Of course, I said earlier, that was our first challenge. So our first challenge was uh, we were on Zoom calls all day long from the very, very beginning of the pandemic. And our first challenge uh, given to us by the US government under Project Airbridge was to work with FEMA, our emergency management uh, administration to bring PPE and ventilators and uh, masks and kits and gloves to the US as fast as possible from places like China. And so we ended up with, at the end of the day, 24 million pounds of PPE on 230 charter aircraft, most of those 747 freighters. And that was our first challenge, bringing all that into the country, uh, into the different gateway airports in the United States. Uh, we ended up, one of the uh, national stockpile locations for the PPE was our own location in, in Louisville, Kentucky. I think we had 36 million pieces of inventory at one point in the middle of all that. And of course, at the same time, we're starting to pivot towards COVID testing. So whether it's uh, the different kinds of testing that came out and the number of companies involved and the number of test sites that were being set up around the US became another challenge. We had mayors of, of, of cities and, and governors of states asking us for help, setting up test kit sites and getting test uh, results back to uh, patients around the country. And then of course, from there, we pivoted to vaccines. So it was a three step approach to helping the world get back to normal. Wes, uh, your education and training as an engineer and later uh, working with the uh, pharmaceutical industry, uh, how did that help you lead UPS Healthcare? Even before UPS Healthcare, you were CEO of Markin, which was acquired by UPS. Uh, how did that training as an engineer help you deal with the pandemic? Uh, because engineers are known to break down uh, problems and analyzing them and creating solutions. How did that come in handy for you? Well, sounds like you answered the question for me. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, I've been an engineer for a long, long time. This is my 43rd year in operations, uh, starting with Exxon, uh, ESO Engineering. And I learned early on that project management was a key skill that many, many, oh, almost any industry really needs. And so having that project management background um, and that engineering background helped me to quickly assess uh, what we thought the problem was, what the opportunities were, making sure we could put together a team, make sure you have the right resources 
and of course, all the analytics that go with solutioning, you know, as many lanes as possible and the possibilities we had to plan for. So I would say, yes, engineers tend to think in linear terms. We think in quantum terms. We think in, uh, in calculations and people and resources and putting all that together in a project management system that would allow us to be successful. And when General Perna called me uh, in June of last year and asked me if I could be ready by October, I made that happen. We made that happen. We became a team. We worked alongside our competitors. We worked alongside Pfizer, Moderna, uh, Janssen, uh, and the federal government to make all of that happen. And frankly, right now, we're shipping far more vaccines out of the U.S. into now 95 countries, including clinical trial countries uh, around the world. So we are now a big part of the solution. Uh, we think we're probably 25% of the world's movements at the moment, and we hope to do more. On to my next question. How is UPS Healthcare building uh, its capabilities for future to address the healthcare crisis uh, of this scale or even bigger? Yeah, so I think it's a good it's a good question because before I took this role last January, and believe it or not, it was only just last January that I was asked to pivot from running Markin for UPS to running the first vertical business unit within UPS called healthcare. And my strategy was to build a network that could serve the complex pharmaceutical products upstream of the wholesaler, all the way back to the active ingredient and the starting materials that make manufacturing possible for pharmaceuticals, and also complex medical devices and laboratory testing, the kinds of things that require temperature control, the kinds of products and services that would be needed for what is the explosion of biologics in the pharmaceutical industry. So not only do we have complex medical devices coming through the pipeline, but 50% of all drugs in development today are either for cancer or forms of cancer or some surrounding orbiting products serving the cancer community. And many, many of those drugs are sterile in nature, temperature controlled and time sensitive and very, very fragile. We now have cell and gene types of therapies that are reliant on your own uh, organic material, whether it be your cells or your genes or your proteins being ma made for personalized medicine. These kinds of things coming through our pipeline are so important to the future and logistics will play a huge, huge role. And so my plan was to get into that part of the business as soon as possible. And of course, pandemic happens and guess what? The COVID-19 vaccine is the most fragile, biologically derived sterile product you can have ever possibly imagine. So the pandemic in a very ironic way gave us a big leap head start into our strategy to build a cold chain network around the world that could serve the pharmaceutical industry, the med device industry and the laboratory industry in the complex upstream portion of the supply chain. So it, it was almost coincidental, call it luck. Of course, it's a terrible thing for the world but it actually gave us focus and it allows UPS Healthcare to really accelerate its own strategy. So can you uh, give us a sense of the investment uh, plans by UPS Healthcare for building that healthcare and cold chain logistic network for the future to safely deliver temperature controlled drugs and therapies? Because I think the whole world is more and more going to depend on um, healthcare products which are temperature sensitive. That's true. And so UPS has traditionally been an American company. Of course, it's very global. Uh, but uh, in healthcare, uh, UPS itself has not in the past made investments in countries where 
many of today's pharmaceutical drugs are being manufactured. So we have in the last year and a half put more investment into cold chain in locations where we believe pharmaceutical products will be manufactured and distributed. And countries like Switzerland and Germany and Ireland, Singapore, South Korea, Puerto Rico, parts of Latin America, where we know the drugs are being manufactured, we know where the big population centers are, we know where the uh, what we call orphan rare diseases are being administered. And so we're given that potpourri of locations around the world, we're focusing a lot of our new capacity and our new capital investments in the countries where we believe drugs and med devices will be manufactured. So you'll see a lot more of our investments in the future. Uh, we've already made huge investments. I think last year we put 2 million square feet of facilities in. Uh, this year we're planning on doing about the same again with a lot of that being cold chain minus 20, two to eight degrees centigrade, and of course, controlled ambient room temperature. Wes, my last question is uh, the pandemic uh, exposed the fragility of uh, global supply chains to some extent. Some of them do not agree to that statement, uh, but and proved that it is uh, the global supply chains are actually not built for uh, resilience. Uh, therefore, how do you look at the future of global supply chains uh, about building supply chain models to address the just-in-case scenario rather than the traditional just-in-time models. I think I could give you a good example of how we have a challenge with, uh, it's, it's interesting to note that uh, moving drugs or vaccines at minus 70 C is actually a little bit simpler than moving drugs at minus 20 C. And the reason for that doesn't sound logical, but it is true because uh, minus 70 degrees can travel safely with dry ice. And as long as it doesn't sublimate or evaporate long, uh, in a short enough time, you can maintain temperature at that, at that temperature for quite a long time, up to 10 days. And then you can, of course, replenish the dry ice to maintain that stability. At minus 20, which is more like frozen, uh, a lot of the packaging that we deliver in uh, is time sensitive also. The packaging only holds minus 20 degrees for a certain period of time, sometimes 56 hours, sometimes 72 hours, but not much longer than that. So, and those materials have to be returned for re reuse. So the Moderna vaccine, for example, travels at minus 20. And so we have a, a complicated packaging solution for the Moderna vaccine. And you'll see that in the future, as many, many vaccines and biologics are delivered at minus 20 at frozen temperatures, uh, the time sensitivity will become very, very important. And monitoring that temperature inside the box will become very important as well. And you'll see much more of this coming because most of the drugs being developed, as I said, are biologically derived and uh, they'll be very, very time sensitive. Wes, uh, it was a pleasure talking to you and uh, thank you for being with us. Okay, I'm very glad to be with you today. Good luck, thank you very much for the time. Thanks once again. That was Wes Wheeler, president of UPS Healthcare. That's it from us at Stat Media Group. We bring cargo masterminds every Monday. Thanks for tuning in and come back on next Monday for a fresh episode. Have a nice day.